So here we go again. Memorandum left by Lucy Westenra. This is somewhere in the middle of chapter 11. Don't know what's going on really, can't quite remember. But um, Van Helsing's turned up. He's got his bag of stuff, his equipment, his grass-fed steaks. He's got um, all the garlic flowers, which uh, Mrs Westenra has objected to and probably confiscated, if I remember aright. And the subheading is entitled Memorandum Left by Lucy Westenra. 17th of September night, I write this and leave it to be seen, so that no one may by any chance get into trouble through me. This is an ex... Oh, hello. Well, that's a reply from a... from a blogger that I read and enjoy very much, and, um... replying to my, um question and suggestion about making sauerkraut, which um, which is an odd thing to intrude into this podcast, as, as are my stomach rumbles at the moment, but um, sauerkraut, yes, I mean, I'm pretty um, useless around the kitchen and certainly around the garden, but um, having made some sauerkraut, it's really easy, and uh, you simply chop up a cabbage very finely, that's the most technical part of it, and then you, as many of you will know, I'm sure, mix it with some salt. And um, you knead the salt into the cabbage, and this produces a kind of a, releases the, the water from the cabbage. You can bung in mustard seeds and chilli flakes and salt and pepper, I guess, well, salt's already there, um, and you leave it out um, in a jar, which you burp occasionally, which is interesting, to get rid of any of the uh, gases that build up, and then it sort of starts fermenting, um, and you can leave it for a week or a fortnight, and uh, then bung it in the fridge. All you need to do is ensure that um, the cabbage is covered by water, and you can use a big stone or a glass weight or something to hold the cabbage down below the level of the water, otherwise it will spoil due to being in touch with the the air, I guess. But uh, anyway, that's a curious that's a curious diversion prompted by the um, noise on my phone. And um, good, glad, glad to know more people are thinking of doing it because I think it's meant to be quite healthy. Fermented food, kimchi and all that sort of business. But uh, it's all in the, it's all in the, um, it's all in the gut flora, and we must uh, work on our gut gut flora. What a horrible expression, gut flora is. And, um, you know, which probably the margarine called flora probably is entirely bad for the gut. My gut sounds healthy at the moment. Anyway, shall we move on? Um, this is an exact record of what took place tonight. I wonder if she had some sauerkraut on that fateful night. Might have helped ward off the... Um... Anyway, I feel I'm dying of weakness and have barely strength to write, but it must be done if I die in the doing. But it must be done if I die in the doing. I went to bed as usual, taking care that the flowers were placed, as Dr Van Helsing directed, and soon fell asleep. I was waked by a flapping at the window. 
fit the best fit Everest, which had begun after that sleepwalking on the cliff at Whitby when Mina saved me, and which now I know so well. My word, I was not afraid, but I did wish that Dr. Seward was in the next room, as Dr. Van Helsing said he would be, so that I might have called him. Drifting off here, I tried to sleep, but I could not. Then there came to me the old fear of sleep, and I determined to keep awake. Mm, Good. Perversely, sleep would try to come. Then, when I did not want it, so as I feared to be alone, I opened my door and called out. Ooh, called out. Ooh, my stomach's killing me. Called out. I opened my door and called out. Could this get any worse? Is there anybody there? There was no answer. I was afraid to wake mother, and so closed my door again. Then, outside in the shrubbery, I heard a sort of howl, like a dog's, but more fierce and deeper. Oh, you know what that is, don't you? Begins with W. Walrus. I went to the window and looked out, but could see nothing except a big bat, which had evidently been buffeting its wings against the window. Well, wouldn't you be freaked out by that? It's just a big bat. Uh, Well, I'm freaked out by bats. Is that only because I live after the publication of this book rather than before? So Lucy said, big bat, big fat bat, big fat woolly woolly bat with the big wings flapping against my window. Nothing to see here. So I went back to bed again, but determined not to go to sleep. I mean, if she'd seen a mouse and jumped on a chair and screamed, but the bat, you know, yeah, it's just a bat, yeah, vampire bat, I think. Yeah, it's quite big, quite big teeth, big eyes, big red googly eyes, yeah, staring at me, flapping around in a crazy way, you know, against my window and, uh, yeah, I just shut the window. Stupid, stupid creature. Yeah, no respect for it. It's um, just a big fat bat. So I went back to bed again, but determined not to go to sleep. Presidently, presidently, that well-known expression, presidently, the door opened, and Bill Clinton looked in. Mm, Now that's danger. Seeing by my moving that I was not asleep, she came in and sat by me. Seeing by my moving that I was not asleep, well... The fact that you were awake, probably, seeing that by not my moving was. She same. She seemed to understand that I was not asleep. In other words, let me break it to you gently, listener, I was awake. Seeing by my moving that I was not asleep. Bloody hell. She said to me even more sweetly and softly than her wont, I was uneasy about you, darling, and came in to see that you were all right. I'm channeling my Hilary DeVay there. Um... As no one listens to this, it doesn't matter that uh, I don't need to reference who Hilary DeVay is, one of my TV favourites. Sadly, no longer with us, I think, but um, I feared she might catch cold sitting there and asked her to come in and sleep with me. So she came into bed and laid down beside me. She did not take off her dressing gown. I mean, she's not very well, is she, Mrs. Westenra? She did not take off her dressing gown, for she said she would only stay a while then go back to her own bed. As she lay there in my arms, and I in hers, the flapping and buffeting came to the window again. That stupid bat! She was startled and a little frightened, and cried out, What is that? I tried to pacify her, and at last succeeded. And she lay quiet. But I could hear her poor dear heart still beating terribly. After a while there was the howl again out in the shrubbery. 
and shortly after there was a crash at the window, and a lot of broken glass was hurled on the floor. The window blind blew back with the wind that rushed in and in the aperture of the broken panes, and in the aperture of the broken panes, there we go, second time's a charm. Unlike the third, uh, there was the head of a great gaunt grey wolf. A great gaunt grey wolf. Mother cried out in a fright. Oh, the window blew. I better pay attention to what I'm doing here. So there's a crash at the window and a lot of broken glass. Okay, and through the hole in the broken panes, there was a head. Okay, fine. I'm, I, I've caught up with my own brain. Um, didn't take a lot of effort. Um, mother cried out in a fright and struggled up into a sitting posture and clutched wildly at anything that clutched wildly at anything that would help her. And the um, the tea's made. She grabbed that quite a heavy, heavy bedside implement from the Victorian times. No, it wasn't from the Victorian times. Who made the tea's made? The the what company made tea's maids? I used to know. Boring trivia like this. Quite a big and expensive item that you could get probably from the 1960s. The something tea's made. Begins with B, possibly. The, not Breville, I'm not sure Breville existed. Not Morphe Richards, although they did exist and and made odd things. The, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It's um, upset me that I can't remember it. You know that time time of life when you get to the point where you think, oh, I can't remember what that is. What on earth is that? Who made the Teas Made? The something Teas Made Corporation of Chicago, Illinois. Um, Chicago. Amongst other things, she clutched the wreath of flowers that Dr. Van Helsing insisted on my wearing round my neck and tore it away from me. Mm. Not very helpful, um, Winnie, Winnie Westerner, as I call her. I don't think history relates what her first name is, but I'm going to call her Winnie Westerner. As an alliterative, I'm sure she would have had a WW. For a second or two, she sat up, pointing at the wolf, and there was a strange and horrible gurgling in her throat. Luckily, I'm able to recreate that. Um, then she fell over, as if struck with lightning, and her head hit my forehead and made me dizzy for a moment or two. What a... what a Fred Carnos is going on here. So right Fred Carnos. The room and all round seemed to spin round. The room and all round seemed to spin... The room and all round seemed to spin round. Mm. I kept my eyes fixed on the window. Fit the best, fit Everest. But the wolf drew his head back, and a whole myriad of little specks seems to come blowing in through the broken window, and wheeling and circling round like the pillar of dust that travellers describe when there is a simoon in the desert. A simoon. A simoon. Now there's a word. Um, I'm not saying I've come across all words, but uh, that's a word I've not come across before. Interesting word. A simoon. Like a simoon in the desert. Uh, let's look it up. Simoon, pronounced Simoon. Also Simoon, Simoon. A hot, dry, dust-laden wind blowing in the desert, especially in Arabia. 
Well, what's that thing that blows over and covers our cars some nights? And they say, ask, oh, come up from the Sahara. That has lost the um, windblown, windblown Lois. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about now. Okay, so a big grey gaunt wolf chucked his head through the window, or has he just poked his head through the window? And then some dust has come through the window and is swirling round, not unlike the phenomenon, I guess, when um, people on Star Trek original used to beam up and beam down and there was a sort of column of dust maybe maybe old Drax's going to appear in a column of um of dust from the transporter room and uh, bones has has beamed them down onto um into Mina Westenra's bedroom uh in fact Dr McCoy did have a slightly vampiric mad glint in his eye um and of course, Spock, uh, Leonard Nimoy, he had a slightly unearthly look about him, which is probably why he was cast, I suppose. But um, anyway, moving on, it's a bit, um, it's very much classic breakdown today. A bit more breakdown than classic today, never mind. Simoon in the desert. When there is a Simoon in the desert, I tried to stir, but there was some spell upon me. And dear mother's poor body, which seemed to grow cold already, for her dear dear heart had ceased to beat. Blimey, she doesn't seem very upset about it. For her dear, dear heart had ceased to beat, weighed me down, and I remembered no more for a while. The time did not seem long, but very, very awful, till I recovered consciousness again. Somewhere near, a passing bell was tolling. A passing bell was tolling. The dogs all round the neighbourhood were howling, and in our shrubbery, seemingly just outside, a nightingale was singing. I was dazed and stupid with pain and terror and weakness, but the sound of the nightingale seemed like the voice of my dead mother come back to comfort me. Well, yes, you certainly was a very quick return, wasn't it, um, by the mother. She only um, croaked about three seconds ago and suddenly she's a nightingale not sure it quite works out like that but well maybe it who knows we, do, we don't really know do we beyond the veil who knows what goes on the sounds seem to have awakened the maids too for I could hear their bare feet pattering outside my door I called to them and they came in and when they saw what had happened and what it was that lay over me like a three seasons duvet on the bed they screamed out the wind rushed in through the broken window, and the door slammed too. They lifted off the body of my dear mother. It sounds like a sort of giant haystacks or something. Um, and laid her, covered up with a sheet, on the bed after I had got up. Well, that's very thoughtful. They were all so frightened and nervous that I directed them to go to the dining room and each have a glass of wine. That's very nice of you. I suppose you own the wine now, don't you? Now your mum's. Yeah, you own the cellar, you own the Midori, all the mixers, the fortified wines, the ports, the sherries. And uh, yeah, they can have a glass of um, glass of the old uh, wine in a box. You're not going to give them the good stuff, are you? Yes, would you use the wine in a box? Moldavian, house red, 
The maid shrieked and then went in a body to the dining room. Hmm. And I laid what flowers I had on my dear mother's breast. Very thoughtful. When they were there, I remembered what Dr. Van Helsing had told me, but I didn't like to remove them. And besides, I would have some of the servants to sit up with me now. I was surprised that the maids did not come back. They had apparently got a liking for the uh, Moldavian house red in the box. There were three litres, a little shy of three litres, and they would found my, my box of Crawford's cheddars, uh, mini packets in, in a box, that, uh, and uh, were tucking into those. I called them, but got no answer. So I went to the dining room to look for them. My heart sank when I saw what had happened. They all four lay helpless on the floor, breathing heavily. Crawford's cheddar crumbs bestrewn the carpet, bestrewed the carpet. <laughs> Couldn't pull it off. The decanter of sherry was on the table, half full. Ah, oh, they went for the sherry, not the Moldavian box. But there was a queer acrid smell about. That will be the Moldavian house red. I was suspicious and examined the decanter. Smelt of laudanum. Yeah, tasting notes. This uh, Moldavian house red has a nose of laudanum, dettol, listerine, plum flavour, and um, undernotes of chocolate. The smelt, it smelt of laudanum. And looking on the sideboard, I found that the bottle which Mother's doctor uses for her, oh, did use, was empty. What am I to do? What am I to do? I'm back in the room with Mother. I cannot leave her, and I'm alone, save for the sleeping servants, whom someone has drugged. Well, you sent them down to have a drink. Alone with the dead. I dare not go out, for I can hear the low howl of the wolf through the broken window. Yes, a bit of a, it's a bit of a pile-up of events, this, isn't it? The air seems full of specks. <laughs> this, there is a joke there, but uh, it would take someone with a brain to, to craft it. The air seems full of specks, floating and circling in the draught. From the window, and the lights burn blue and dim. What am I to do? God shield me from harm this night. I shall hide this paper in my breast, where they shall find it when they come to lay me out. My dear mother gone, it is time that I go too. Goodbye, dear Arthur. If I should not survive this night, well, it seems unlikely. God keep you, dear. And God help me. Mm, little raspy. A little raspy, a musical character. Um, let me have a quick look at the scores on the doors. Let me just type in my my passcode. I wonder if uh, wonder if Langley can uh, decode from just the audio what my passcode is on my my typewriter. I'm sure they can. I'm sure they don't need to. I'm sure they know. Chapter twelve. Wow, the uh, sunlit uplands of chapter twelve. Shall we push into that? I mean, I suppose we could. And then I can have a cup of coffee and um, and a drive over to have a look at my 208D. What's that? I hear you cry. Dr. Seward's diary, 18th of September. I drove at once to Hillingham. I drove at once to Hillingham and arrived early. 
why this bloke? Yeah, you know, he was running a fruit stall, a whelk stall in uh, Borough Market, and now he's um, now he runs a a lunatic asylum, a bin de luni in um, in Hillingham. No, he doesn't. Where's his loony bin? I uh, can't remember. We don't have loony bins now. We have um, mental health facilities. Um, keeping my cab at the gate. Keeping my cab at the gate. I went up the avenue alone. I knocked gently and rang as quietly as possible, for I feared to disturb Lucy, or her mother, Winnie Westenra, and hoped to only bring a servant to the door. After not bring a bottle. Bring a servant. Bring your own servant. B-Y-O-S. After a while, finding no response, I knocked and rang again. Still no answer. I cursed the laziness of the servants, that they should lie abed at such an hour with the Moldavian box of wine, three litres, and the mini Crawford's cheddars. But it was now, well, I assume that's what they're doing, for it was now ten o'clock, and so rang and knocked again, but more impatiently, but still without response. Hitherto I had blamed only the servants, but now a terrible fear began to assail me. Was this desolation but another link in the chain of doom which seemed drawing tight round us? Was it indeed a house of death to which I had come too late? I know that minutes, even seconds of delay, the golden hour, as the uh, chief constable of Greater Manchester said, the golden hour might mean hours of danger to Lucy if she had had again one of those frightful relapses, and I went round the house to try if I could find by chance an entry anywhere. I could find no means of ingress. Every window and door was fastened and locked, and I returned baffled to the porch. As I was dog dog outside, I hope a, I hope a lean, uh, meagre wolf's head isn't going to shove its way through my double-glazed window. Um, as I did so, I heard the rapid pit-pat of a swiftly driven horse's feet. Horse's feet? Don't usually call them a horse's feet, do they? Usually horse's hooves. As I did so, I heard the rapid pit-pat of a swiftly driven horse's feet. Pit-pat, pit-pat, pit-pat. Yeah, OK. Every window and door was fastened and locked, and I returned baffled to the porch. They stopped at the gate, and a few seconds later I met Van Helsing running up the avenue. When he saw me, he gasped out, Then it was you, and just arrived. How is she? Are we too late? Did you not get my telegram? I answered as quickly and coherently as I could that I had not only got his telegram early in the morning, and had not a minute in coming here, and that I could not make anyone in the house hear me. He paused and raised his hat as he said solemnly, then I fear we are too late. God's will be done. With his usual recuperative energy, he went on, Come, if there be no way open to get in, we must make one. Time is all in all to us now. Time is all in all to us now. We will use this wolf as a battering ram. No, he doesn't say that. What a ridiculous, stupid, stupid, stupid thing to say. We went round to the back of the house where there was a kitchen window. The professor took a small surgical saw from his case and, handing it to me, pointed to the iron bars which guarded the window. Well, why can't he bloody do it? Oh, old elbow injury. Yeah, I can imagine. I attacked them at once. No, I attacked them at once and had very soon cut through three of them. Extraordinary. 
Then, with a long, thin knife, we pushed back the fastening of the sashes and opened a window. I helped the professor in, bunk up, as we used to call it, down the old Kent Road, gave the old professor bunk, bunk up, professor, and followed him. There was no one in the kitchen or in the servants' rooms, which were close at hand. We tried all the rooms as we went along, and in the dining room, the floor seemed to be covered with golden crumbs, dimly lit by rays of light through the shutters, and there we found four servant women lying on the floor, surrounded by orange packets, some wine glasses, and three empty chocolate orange foils. Bit of added detail for you then. There was no need to think them dead, for their stertorous breathing, I love the word stertorous, I never quite know what it means, stertorous. Let's look it up using the extraordinary powers of the, of the Kindle. Stertorous, of breathing, noisy and laboured, from the Latin stertor, snoring sound, stertere, to snore. Sturto, no, stert, stert, no, I can only do ere, ere, how do ere verbs go in the first, in the um, present tense? No idea. <laughs> Sturteramus. Sturteromus. Sturterant. Sturtunt. Not sure. Ah, better leave that avenue of exploration totally unexplored, shall we? Oh, there was an acrid smell of laudanum in the room, and it left no doubt as to their condition. Um, but they weren't dead, they were just breathing, snoring heavily. Van Helsing and I looked at each other, and as we moved away, he said, we can attend to them later. They are the lower classes. Then we ascended to Lucy's room. For an instant or two, we paused at the door to listen, but there was no sound that we could hear. With white faces and trembling hands, trembling faces and white hands, we opened the door gently and entered the room. How shall I describe what we saw? On the, on the bed lay two women, Lucy and her mother. The latter lay farthest in, and she was covered with a white sheet, the edge of which had been blown back by the drought, by the drought, by the draught, I suppose, through the broken window, showing the drawn white face, with a look of terror fixed upon it. By her side lay Lucy, with white face, with face white and still more drawn. The flowers which had been round her neck we found upon her mother's bosom, and her throat was bare, showing the two little wounds which we had noticed before, but looking horribly white and mangled. Mm. Without a word, the professor bent over the bed, his head almost touching poor Lucy's breast. Oi, professor! Then he gave a quick turn of his head, as of one who listens, and leaping to his feet, he cried out to me, It is not yet too late. Quick, quick, bring the brandy. Bring the brandy, bring the brandy. I flew downstairs and returned with it. Metaxa, cheap Greek version, taking care to smell and taste it, lest it too were drugged like the decanter of sherry which I found on the table. The maids were still breathing, but more restlessly, and I fancied that the narcotic was wearing off. I did not stay to make sure, why would you, but returning to Van Helsing. Yeah, because they're dead. But these ones downstairs are still alive, so why would you why would you worry? He rubbed the brandy, as on a as on another occasion, on her lips and gums, 
and on her wrists and the palms of her hands. Yeah, all right, Professor, that's enough places to rub the brandy. He said to me, I can do this all that can be at present. You go wake these maids, flick them in the face with a wet towel and flick them hard. Professor, you're showing yourself up. Flick them in the face with a wet towel and flick them hard. <laughs> yeah. Make them get heat and fire and a warm bath. This poor, I get the ma- get the four maids into a warm bath. This poor soul is nearly as cold as that beside her. She will need be heated before we can do anything more. Oh, oh! It's not a bath for the maids. It's they having been drugged into a stupor and just come round and been flicked with a wet towel. Flick them hard. They've now got to go and make a bath for their mistress, of course. <laughs> It's Hilarrington. Um, uh, I went at once and found little, little difficulty in waking three of the women. The fourth was only a young girl, and the drug had evidently affected her more strongly, so I lifted her on the sofa and let her sleep. The others were dazed at first, but as remembrance came back to them, they cried and sobbed in a hysterical manner, I will never touch Moldavian wine again. I was stern with them, however, and would not let them talk. I told them that one life was bad enough to lose, and if they delayed, they would sacrifice Miss Lucy. So sobbing and crying, they went about their way, half-clad as they were, and prepared fire and water. Fortunately, the kitchen and boiler fires were still alive, and there was no lack of hot water. We got a bath and carried Lucy out as she was, and placed her in it. Whilst we were busy chafing her limbs, there was a knock at the hall door. One of the maids ran off, hurried on some more clothes and opened it. Then she returned and whispered to us that there was a gentleman who had come with a message from Mr. Homewood. I bade her simply tell him that we must wait, for we could see no one now. She went away with the message and, engrossed with our work, which wasn't pleasurable by any stretch of the imagination, four semi-clad young housemaids and... uh, and Lucy, uh, not pleasant at all, but uh, I did manage to do a few sketches and uh, commit them to my notebook. Anyway, we were engrossed with our work. I clean forgot all about him. I never saw in all my experience the Professor work in such deadly earnest. I knew as he knew that it was a stand-up fight with death and in a pause told him so. He answered me in a way that I did not understand, but with the sternest look that his face could wear. If that were all, I would stop here, where we are now, in this bathroom, with these four semi-naked maids and uh, Miss Lucy, and let her fade away into peace, for I see no light in life over her horizon. He went on with his work, with, if possible, renewed and more frenzied vigour. That was ridiculous. Presently, we both began to be conscious that the heat was beginning to be of some effect. Lucy's heart beat a trifle more audibly, beat a trifle more audibly. Flick them with towels. Uh, Lucy's heart beat a trifle more audibly. Wet towels uh, audibly to the stethoscope, and her lungs had a perceptible movement. Van Helsing's face almost beamed. And as we lifted her from the bath and rolled her in the hot sheet to dry her, He said to me, The first gain is ours. 
check to the king. Sorry. Oh, some is that some chess reference? Check to the king. We took Lucy into another room, which had by now been prepared, and laid her in bed and forced a few drops of brandy down her throat. I noticed that Van Helsing tied a soft silk handkerchief round her throat. She was still unconscious and was quite as bad as, if not worse, than we had ever seen her. Van Helsing called in one of the women and told her to stay with her and not to take her eyes off her till we returned, and then beckoned me out of the room. I think we'll leave it there, because that was uh, was pretty terrible, but it is Sunday morning, and, uh, you know... Yeah, I don't know what, what, you know... um, Yeah, got other fish to fry, you know, this is... uh, Can't be doing this all day, and, uh, yeah, we'll have a go. I was going to... I was going to um, have a go at the uh, Vocal Rider, which is a plug-in from Waves, and uh, just have a muck about with that, see what that sounds like. I don't think I'm going to put any EQ on this today. I can't be bothered. Well, it's not that. I just don't think it needs it necessarily. It must be tuned up by the by the masters, by the audio masters at Audio Technica. So we'll see uh, what gives there, see what it sounds like. And uh, it's all an experiment, isn't it? Life, and then, and then it's the big, uh, it's the big, uh, big plunge, isn't it? of the old uh, Acapulco diving strip. So, you know, no time to waste with the niceties of uh, EQing. Uh, meanwhile, back at my whelk stall, that's probably chapter 13, uh, where I lose my uh, asylum and have to return to the family whelk stall in Bermondsey. All right, uh, total nonsense today. Um, see ya, bye. <laughs>